Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, as always, Tyler Crawley, and I do apologize for my absence. Man, it's been rough trying to get the podcast on the air the last couple. Is it on the air? I don't know. Is podcasting considered on the air? I will still use radio terminology no longer. How long I am out of the business? So, yeah, just life got in the way. And then even today, I was setting up the podcast, getting ready. And um, I don't know, the levels were all messed up and it's, it's man, life just is getting in the way of me trying to provide you with some great information and what is happening on housing. But we are here and we got a lot to get to. So one thing we have to talk about, Black Knight on Monday released their June monitor, no, mortgage monitor report. There we go. And it was kind of big and it didn't really get that much attention. I thought there was an article in CNBC and. Maybe I saw something over at Market Watch, but nothing too big. But what it showed is that home price appreciation was at 19.3% in May. It fell to 17.3% in June. So we're still talking about 17% year over year home price appreciation. So still pretty crazy. But that was a two percentage point drop month over month. That was the biggest monthly drop since the 70s and they did not get into any more specifics about that they just said the 70s so it could have been january 1970 it could have been december 1979 i have no idea <laughs> where it was in the 70s but it happened in the 70s and that i think you know people kind of freaked out about that because 50 years worse than 2008 well we need to remember that the price, the home price growth that we're seeing year over year, historic. We've never seen anything like this. Even I think in 2008, we never saw anything like this. So when you have record high home price growth, and then all of a sudden you got rates that are rising, you have home prices that are continuing to rise at 19% month over month, and now 17%, or excuse me, year over year. we've hit this brick wall with regards to affordability. It's the worst it's ever been. And so all of a sudden you're seeing demand get suppressed on many different levels. And so you're going to start to see these big drops, but it's kind of like, and we've talked about this before. It's like the stock market. When the stock market is at these levels, we've never seen before, right? You know, back in the day when the Dow wasn't even at 10,000, it was like 5,000. It was a big deal when a stock moved like four or five points. And I think Black Monday in 1989 was like an 800-point drop, which nowadays happens kind of frequently. (laughs) We've seen the Dow drop. I mean, it's not great, but it's not the end of the world. You're not seeing brokerage houses go out of business. And so you need to remember that these drops are happening when the numbers are at astronomical highs. And so you're going to see these bigger drops because of how high the numbers are. That's what it is. And of course, things are slowing down very quickly and we're pretty much seeing it across the board. So that came out on Monday. And then on Tuesday, we got the latest information from CoreLogic, their home price insight report, which reports on the home price index. And as I always say, the CoreLogic HPI is kind of like the redheaded stepchild of the Case Shiller Index. <laughs> I like it. I don't think it's bad, but it gets nowhere near the the love, attention, and respect that the Case Shiller Index gets. 
But they also showed home price growth slowing. And this was the second month in a row. They had home price growth at 18.3%. So we're all kind of in the same ballpark here. So, you know, Black Knight has 17.3. And now we got CoreLogic at 18.3. Month over month, we saw 0.6% increase. So things are still moving in a positive direction but they are beginning to slow down and it's probably going to get worse before it gets better with regards to the movement of home price growth. Now, home price growth also fell to its lowest level since October 2021 when it was at 18%. So we've been above 18% for a while. I mean, that's 10 months. And so it's also important to put that in context that we have been above 18% for 10 straight months. Now, which state do you think was number one with regards to home price growth? Florida, of course, up 31.8%, followed by Tennessee, up 25.8%, and Arizona, just under 25%. And then, not surprisingly, Phoenix, Arizona, holding on to the top spot, barely with year-over-year -year price growth at 26.1%, followed very closely by Miami at 25.3%, and then Las Vegas at 243 Now, if you look at some of the current data with regards to inventory levels and, and other metrics that are out there, a lot of these areas are starting to see inventory levels jump. And so I'm wondering, because remember, this is, like a, this is about a two-month lag. So we're getting, you know, here it is August and we're getting June data, but a lot of the, like I said, inventory levels and what's happening with sales and you're seeing, you know, price cuts and everything else, that's more recent data. And so it'll be interesting what these reports are saying when we're in October, if I'm doing my math correctly on this, we're going to start to maybe see Phoenix, or I should say, oh uh, yeah, Phoenix. Miami and Las Vegas kind of falling out of the top three very quickly. Uh, and then looking ahead, the CoreLogic HPI forecast indicates that home prices will increase on a month over month basis by 0.6%. So that's what we saw this month. And then year over year. So they're projecting that in June, 2023, home prices will only be up 4.3%. So now till next June, 4.3, well, not now, but now this report, June, not August to June, June to June, 4.3%, which is still kind of amazing because they're still projecting that home prices are going to be up year over year. And if you listen to some of the crash bros out there, they're like, no way, home prices are going to be down 20% year over year. And I do have to always add this little caveat. Um, the CoreLogic HPI forecast has never been correct the whole time. They've been calling that like 4.3% number for, I want to say, maybe two years. But I, I think they might be right about this one, but we will see. Selma Hep, Deputy Chief Economist for CoreLogic, said that despite the slowdown, slowdown, there we go, demand is still out there if the homes are priced correctly. And that's another big thing. We've seen a lot of data. One of the benefits of having a good realtor knowing where to price your home because it's not three months ago, four months ago when you could list a home and all of a sudden you get a hundred offers, 50% over ask. It didn't even really matter. I mean, you could, you just for fun list the house at a dollar and you're still going to get, you know, half a million dollar bids. 
that doesn't happen anymore. And so you have to price your home properly. And some people haven't accepted that reality. And that's why you're seeing price cuts. It's not because, oh my God, home prices are crashing. It's because people are stuck in the mindset from three months ago. And really it's not their fault because for the last year, we've been hearing about this incredibly hot housing market. And so people go to list their homes and they're like, I'm not, my neighbors put his house in the market, got 20 offers that same day and it was 40% over asking. We're not listing my house for that. We're gonna list it for this. And the realtor's like, okay. Or if it's a bad realtor, they're like, yeah, that's definitely what we're gonna get for it. And then they list it, no one looks at the house, no one even puts an offer in. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, maybe we priced it too high. And so if you're pricing the home correctly, you're in a good spot. That's what uh, Hep said. Uh, Nevertheless, buyers still remain interested, which is keeping the market competitive, particularly for attractive homes that are properly priced. So make sure you are properly pricing your home. There we go. That's what, <laughs> that's what I was that's what I was getting to. Now we did get some general economic data on Tuesday. Kind of a big report in my opinion because we've talked about the tight labor market and how that's really kind of confusing a lot of people in economics, mostly I think the Fed and kind of both political parties in a way because everyone's like, we're in a recession, you know, you got, you got prices skyrocketing, people are, are living paycheck to paycheck and you know, there's, there's all this economic data that shows that we're in a recession except for the labor market that keeps creating two, three, four hundred thousand 400,000 jobs a month. We've already created what, like 2 million jobs this year? And we're supposedly better than I mean, it's just, it, it, it's weird. The labor market's been throwing everyone off. And one of the leading indicators is, of course, job openings, because we're not going to start seeing layoffs and the unemployment rate rise until there's not as many job openings. Because if there's job openings, all people are going to do is if they get fired or they quit or whatever, they're just going to go and get one of these job openings. <laughs> there's, I mean, at one point, I think there was like four jobs available for every one person who wasn't working. And so... In that situation, you're never going to see unemployment rise. So you need to start seeing the labor market tightening and where that's going to happen is you can start seeing some of these job openings go away. You're going to see the, you know, people are going to start pulling some of these jobs. And that's what we saw this month. For the first time in a while, it's been a while, job openings fell under 11 Million, And that was where economists thought they were going to be. But for the month of June, the last business day of June, job openings fell to 10.7 million. And that put the uh, job opening rate at about 6.6%. And as I mentioned, economists thought it was only going to fall to 11 million. So it fell more than expected. Job openings fell under 11 million for the first time since December and that was thanks to a big drop in retail, 343,000 job openings gone. Wholesale trade, 82,000, and state and local government education, 62,000. But here's what's interesting. So sure, that number fell more than expected, but we're still talking about 10.7 million job openings. That's still a pretty good healthy number. I think it's still a little bit over two to one. So for every one person who's not working, there are two jobs, a little bit over two jobs available for them. So the great resignation 
continues. People are still quitting their jobs at a somewhat elevated rate that we have continued to see month after month. And it was little changed in June with 4.2 million quits thanks to, well, construction saw the biggest decrease in quits, 51,000, which is kind of interesting, while the biggest increase in quits were in local government education at about 15,000. So nothing big. I mean, 51,000, 15,000. When you're talking about 4.2 million quits, so no real huge swings in any particular industry. Uh, and in case you're curious, layoffs and discharges, this is basically people getting fired, were a little changed at about 1.3 million. So, I mean, the vast majority of people are quitting. <laughs> so it's it's still a very tight labor market, but we are seeing a little bit of loosening. Uh, ben Castleman of the New York Times wrote that despite the big drop in job openings, the labor market, it's strong. Saying the drop was concentrated in retail. The latest sign that the sector is struggling as consumers shift their spending from goods back to services as the pandemic ebbs. The job market remains strong by most measures. There were still nearly twice as many job openings as unemployed workers in June. So a little looser of a labor market, but still extremely tight. And we are going to be getting jobs data this week. So we will see if we've seen any impact in hirings. So we still got people quitting their jobs. Still got a lot of job openings. Let's see what's happening with job creation. We will get that on Friday. Now, before we go, I think this is an important report because no doubt inflation is one of the big issues that everyone is talking about. And if you've noticed, we've talked about the you know consumer spending data, retail sales, all that good stuff. It's when you adjust for inflation, it is down. But when you look at real spending, or I should, I'm sorry, real nominal spending, the number is up. And so you're like, where are people getting this money from? So, you know, real wages are down. Real spending is down because it's adjusted for inflation. But as I said, nominal data, it's still rising. And so people have said, where are people getting this money? And that's why looking at these debt reports are so important because you know the Fed is looking at this data because that's what leads to a much worse recession is if everyone starts piling up on credit, eventually you're going to get that crash. You're going to get, well, you know, not 2008, but you're going to get a more severe downturn if you don't find a way to suppress demand. And so we got the Q2 quarterly report on household debt and credit from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, and we saw an increase by $312 billion. That's a 2% increase to $16.5 trillion. That's the first time we have been above $16 trillion. And we now are $2 trillion higher than in 2019. So there's some significant debt out there. But, but most of these reports, and I think this is important, most of these reports have been a huge increase in mortgages. And obviously, mortgage debt is very different than credit card debt. You know, having debt tied to a 
appreciating asset, especially over these last two years, is very different than revolving debt, credit card debt, in which it's tied to well, no asset. And it is, you know, you're paying a fin- much higher rate than you are with, say, mortgage debt. You know, credit card, you're looking at what, 12 to 20% <laughs> with mortgage debt over these last couple of years. I mean, you're looking at anywhere from two and a half to, to 5%. And very different. And once again, tied to an appreciating asset. So what happened in Q2 of 2022? Mortgage balances rose by $207 billion and stood at $11.39 trillion at the end of June. So if you look at the increase, $312 billion, $207 of that was mortgages, that was 66.4% of the increase. So it's still mostly mortgage, but that means a third came from somewhere else. Credit card balances increased by 46 billion. And although seasonal patterns typically include an increase in the second quarter, the 13% cumulative increase in credit balances since Q2 2021 represents the largest in more than 20 years. Aggregate limits on credit card accounts increased by 100 billion and now stand at 4.22 trillion, the largest increase in more than 10 years. So not only is that that number increasing, but you're also seeing the limits. And I know, I mean, I've gotten credit card statements and they've said, hey, congratulations, we're going to increase your limit. (laughs) And I was like, if I'm getting them, that must mean everybody else is getting them. So everyone's credit limit is going up at the same time where people are using more credit that is not a recipe for success. So this is something that is probably catching the attention of the Federal Reserve with regards to consumer spending, and where they are getting that money from. Because for the longest time, you know, they had more money because of stimulus. They increased their savings rate, but now we know that they're depleting their savings and they will get to the point where all they're going to have is credit and then they're really going to start jacking those numbers up. And that's when the Fed is going to be. They're already probably raising their eyebrows over this report. And I do want to also point this out before we go, because you are hearing this conversation about mortgage delinquencies and and that Black Knight report I mentioned earlier they did have, you know, delinquencies and foreclosure starts and, you know, they were up by you know, double digits. And I could see how someone who was dishonest would could use that and say, oh, look, it's up double digits and it's higher than we've seen in, in three or four years. But the levels are still historically low. I mean, in many cases, 30, 40, 50, 60 percent below where we were in more a normalized time, like in 2019. And that's what this report found as well. The share of mortgage balances 90 plus days past due remained at 0.5% a historic low. So keep that in mind that some people are going to start hyping because if you go from 0% to 0.1%, you could say that's a 100% increase. <laughs> but it's 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 0.1%. Or it goes from 0.1% to 0.2%. That's a 100% increase. Well, yeah, but it went to 0.2. Like that's... Nothing. That's not a bit 0.5. So keep that in mind. However, this report, I guarantee you, is is worrying some economists out there when you start to see those credit usage go up. And it's not mortgage debt. It's revolving debt. That is definitely going to be something to keep an eye on as we move forward. And speaking of moving forward, we got to go. 
We got you guys have a good. I, you know, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know if I'm gonna do a podcast for Thursday because I think the only thing that we're seeing tomorrow, tomorrow, today, I'm really keeping it in character. <laughs> See, I'm like I've been gone and I don't know what day it is. Um, is mortgage rates in demand? Which you know, it's important. Important. You know, I'll, I'll tweet about it and talk about it on on um, Twitter. I think that's what it's called, Twitter, the Twitter machine. But I don't know if I'm gonna do a podcast because. That's really kind of all we're getting. It's kind of, I mean, it's it's like this week, anything compared to what we saw last week with regards to the data, is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like anemic. Uh, and we do have a lot happening on, I think, Thursday. We got some good data coming out. So I don't know. We'll see if we're going to do a Thursday podcast. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. So stay tuned. Either way, of course, obviously we'll do one for Friday. Got to do one. And then Monday, we'll be talking about the non, I promise I will do a Monday podcast. Oh, and the next one we do, because this is 199. So the next one we do is going to be 200. That's crazy. 200 podcasts in the, well, not yet. Almost in the bag. This is 199 officially in the bag. All right. I will see you guys. Let's just say Friday. I'll talk to you guys on Friday. You guys enjoy your Wednesday and Thursday. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. 